0: You're listening to Radio Free Satan. Enjoy the show.
1: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey.
2: Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. And you're lucky because I've got a co-host today. That's right, I've got J.R. Torina, or FXT, or Devilman Extraordinaire in the Salt Lake Valley. How are you?
0: <laughs> uh, How are you, man? That's
1: you. You're the Devilman Extraordinaire. <laughs> or our friend Aaron. All those guys. I'm okay. How are you today?
0: Very good.
2: Uh, well, thank you for joining me. We're going to be talking uh, with you about, at the end of the show in the Creature Feature segment, about a laboratory release. We're going to talk a little bit about them being signed with Pulverized Records and about Slaughterhouse Records specifically. But before that, we're just going to sort of go through the show and, uh, you know, add in some commentary. We've done this before, so this should be a, an old game for us. Um, it is September 2nd, and uh, let's talk about what the show is going to be about. And then I've got a couple things that I wanted to bring up. So, in The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to bring you guys the audio version of the video that I released recently, Uh, and actually, music, it's appropriate that you're on the show also, because uh, I looked to you for some really great ritual-sounding music that we actually used when we collaborated in the Eval ritual this uh, last April.
1: It was uh, pretty cool. It was some old (laughs) stuff I did a long time ago, and I was glad to be able to use it, because even as Mr. Atheist back in the day when I made that, it... I kind of had this feeling somehow, some way it was going to turn up into some kind of a ritual of some kind. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it, it
3: was
2: really, really good uh, music. It, it fit perfectly when we did the actual ritual. And then obviously for this, a uh, little, sp- you know, sort of uh, goof spoof uh, of a ritual that I did. Um, it ended up working really well as well. I'm going to be bringing you Nine Cents Presents: A Satanic Ritual, and I was I, I, this whole thing started with me reaching out to Reverend Kevin I Slaughter and saying, "Hey, I've got this really kind of goofy idea. I would like you to be an announcer in this sort of mock ritual. Are you interested?" And he was both feet in, uh, very excited to join me. And then I reached out to Witch Sarah Rung, who is uh, she's got an amazing voice. I wanted her to be sort of this mom character for this real real goofy group of kids and uh, yeah she came through in spades it was really great Uh, and then again to uh, Scapegoat you for helping me with the music Uh, and so we're gonna I'm gonna present you that for the entirety of the devil's advocate and really just let it run through and and we'll just jump right into infernal informant afterward Uh, I also want to bring up because I cannot believe it's already September this year has flown by I remember When February hit and I was like, oh wow, I've been doing 9 cents for a full year now. What the hell am I going to do for the second year? How am I going to last this long? And it's already September, knocking out episodes weekly. So I had started early on saying that every Halloween I'm going to be doing a Greater Magic episode. Last Halloween I was joined by Reverend Bill M. and Satanist Storm. And we waxed about Greater Magic uh, theory and practice. And it was a lot of fun. A little bit funny. And uh, really enjoy the whole, the whole thing, and I've gotten a lot of really great feedback, and so I'm doing it again. And I've been talking about it all year so far, but this time, I'm going to be doing it with some two uh, known, very powerful satanic witches. And I don't want to send out names yet, because uh, I want it to be, one, a surprise, but two, you know, I, I want these to be actual questions, not individualized. Uh, comments or anything like that so if you have questions about greater magic if you want to know about theory or practice or how a woman may see it differently or how the satanic witch dr levey's book uh, informed their worldview about magic anything you want to know about greater magic from a female perspective or just generally send me questions to info at ninecentspodcast.com. let me know what you got I, and last year i've said this before i'm going to say it again I got so many questions that not all of them got in. So if you really do want your question answered, the sooner you get it to me the better, because that's gonna ensure that you're actually gonna get your question asked to the two witches. Um, So remember, at the end of October, it's coming and that's literally two months away. You don't wanna miss it. In other news, my car, I I went in to get an oil change at the local dealer. And I've been having some car issues lately. Do you ever have, like, massive car issues that all hit you at once?
1: Not me. Well, yeah, true. I'd replace all four tires and uh, and my brakes and the rotors and all that stuff at once. And just to start saving up all your money, and you're like, yeah, I got a couple of grand in the bank. Everything is cool. <laughs> Boom. Not just an oil change, but it happens all at once, usually. Yeah, absolutely. how it is.
2: It, it it it's almost like the cosmos has it planned that way. They're like, oh, they, they're they're doing pretty well. They got some extra scroll in the bank. Not anymore.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, but uh, okay. So I was there getting my oil changed, and I had just had my alternator switched out for the third time. Um, but this wasn't. This was a you know a, a, a real part. I say real part. This was a um, an original part rather than a aftermarket. Uh, sort of fixed up part that I was getting before. And I had someone that listened to the show email me and uh, let me know that they had similar issues and it ended up being their voltage regulator. So thank you for letting me know. Thank you for giving me your your, um, your advice on that. I, I do actually appreciate it. And I had them just the, the voltage regulator and it was fine. So I don't know what the hell is draining and destroying these alternators in this piece of crap car. But Anyway, my, my point is, when I was there, I saw this woman walk in with another guy, and he was in from somewhere in the Middle East. Doesn't really matter. Because what I wanted to talk to was about her. She was she had this pink ball cap on with a ponytail sticking out the back. She was in, like, workout clothes that make the breasts look like just one big uniboob. And she had, like, these uh, workout pants on. And I have... I have issue with with this, because the only reason why you're going to go out not to the gym looking like this is because you think you look cute, and there's absolutely nothing cute about one
1: boob. <laughs> like, one boob, eh? I mean, was this person overweight?
2: No, th- she she was actually a very attractive lady, but it, like she was so pushed together because of this, and she was pretty busty, too. She was so pushed together, that she just had one gigantic boob going across her whole chest, because she was wearing obviously like a sports bra or something and that's what they do they make you look retarded i don't know if girls realize this i think maybe she thought that she was being sexy or something but it's not sexy at all
1: i think they think they look sexy in adidas clothing and i wear those because i actually do go to the gym and (laughs) it's easier just to put those pants on because they fit nice and all that stuff but i am planning on going to the gym eventually that day when i'm wearing them but i see (laughs) The really huge fat ladies at Walmart on the scooters wearing Adidas pants. And like, uh, you have not been to the gym. I'm sure you haven't. And they don't have a scooter section at the gym. So why are you wearing those? You know, but yeah. just a little personal thought I've always had.
2: It drives me crazy. Okay, so she was, t- that was the first thing is that she, the I know for a fact right now she was dressed like that because she thought she looked good. And so she was going to go out. And, you know, I don't know, I mean, it, it says something about you, like, oh, okay, well, that person works out, no matter where you are, if you're dressed in, you know, that sort of workout outfit, so it says something about their lifestyle, it says something about them taking care of themselves, and that they want to look good to other people. Okay, so I got that message 100% smacked in my face, but she looks dumb as shit with this uniboob. She's talking to this guy who is thick, thick Arabian accent, and he's dressed like, you know every human being on the planet with a button up shirt and regular pants. And, you know, just looks like a normal person. So it's not like they were at the gym together or they were planning on going later on together or anything. It was was really weird. She came in, she started talking to him loudly. And this is what I wanted to speak to specifically is people who talk to people, not for the sake of the one-on-one interaction, but for the sake of everyone else around them. Like she was doing this Speaking really, really loud and really stressing that he was from a foreign country, speaking really great English, so that other people around her would hear and like sort of bend their ear toward the conversation. Like she wasn't talking to him; she was talking to everyone else, saying, "Look at me! I'm a pretty girl, and I reach out. I'm I'm multi, <laughs> multi-ethnic, and I, I you know I'm not afraid to, to be friends with other people." And it, it, do you guys, do you ever notice? Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's kind of a common thing here in Utah, I think because everybody's kind of so uh, for lack of a better description, Lily White, and they want to branch out and show I am otherworldly, and I know about other cultures. I'm dating a black guy, look, you know, you know what I mean? It's like I don't care either way, but yeah, I just I some some people here try to show that off. It's almost like buying a hummer when you don't need one because you're showing off that you had this gigantic car that you could afford, you know and yeah it's kind of the same thing i've heard people do that and they have cell phones and they'll like talk very loudly on their phone back when cell phones were brand new
0: mm-hmm. yeah, remember right.
1: that when they were like the size of like a six-pack <laughs> yeah. so there's a guy walking around in my department who are like talking on the phone he's talking about nothing he's like oh i'm shopping walking around just shopping, around. <laughs> la, la, la. really loud so everybody could hear that he had a cell phone we we're all like whoa look at that guy he's got a phone this is like 1993 or four or something back when they're like this humongous it's like sticker blocks never mind bricks you know but yeah Yeah. i know exactly
2: (laughs) (laughs) and the fact i mean it's just it's it happens to this day after and everyone knows how annoying it is and it's not like you're being transparent she had to have known what she was doing and that it, it was obvious what she was doing like no one was looking at her like oh wow you're so interesting and and you're good fitness and you're pretty and you're funny. No, everyone's looking at you like, wow, you are a douchebag with one boob.
1: Like <laughs> well, Let me uh, let me interject this. Like, do you find that you get that with certain friends of yours that are normal, quote unquote, because you're a Satanist? Like they try to they try to talk to you about infernal things or just say, Well, this is my oh, Satanist. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate the introduction part because
2: they're like I feel like there's always been, like, this conversation before I get there where it's, it's like, I'm going to introduce you to a Satanist, <laughs> you know? Be- and the only reason why I think that is because when they introduce me, this is the guy I was telling you about, Adam. Now, they could just be saying that because that's what people say, but it puts this idea, like, I'm supposed to, like, just reach out and, <laughs> you know, like, when this, this is the guy I'm you about, <laughs> this Satanist, I love Satan, you know? Like, that's what they expect me to do, and I'm just
1: like, Hi. See, I already do that anyway. It's just to totally throw them for a loop. So when they find out that I really am, that's when they're like, oh, we really are? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. No, you yeah. Know. You expect to hear this big gong crash when you walk into the frame of the door like, <clears throat> there he is. A little trail
2: of smoke enters, <laughs> precedes us yeah oh gosh it, well, uh, I think it's the same
1: thing you know and being a metalhead you get that a lot too from some of the like the more straight arrow Mormon people or I work with a bunch of like hippie type people at my work so it's all kind of intertwines and they people are really interested by it like whether it's a dark topic or a dark skinned person I guess I don't know it's Utah you know, and you know yeah. as well as I do <laughs> <laughs> alright well you know what's interesting as well
2: it's Old Nick Magazine. Have you checked out Old Nick Magazine yet?
1: I've never had a print copy in my hands, but I've looked online at it.
2: Yeah, I've been doing the digital copy myself uh, just so that I can, you know, put it on my computer or on my phone or, you know, just even if I want to be all sneaky and try to look at it at work without getting in trouble. Well, oldnickmagazine.com is the website you go to check it out. Old link Magazine is a, the premium sinful adult magazine. Uh, done, headed up by some very uh, amazing Satanists and some, you know, just evil people. <laughs> I wouldn't even say evil. It's just, you know, just the third side personalities. I, I would say, but it, I mean, the women in it are all geared toward um, uh, the counterculture, whether it's gothic or um, industrial or or overtly satanic or or whatever. Uh, they do a great job of finding some amazingly beautiful women who will pose uh, for our enjoyment. And there, in my opinion, is very few things better than that. Uh, yeah. Check out oldnickmagazine.com if you want to get your print copy or digital copy. And yes, this is a commercial for Old Nick Magazine.
1: <laughs> nice like, segue that in. But yeah, it's true. <laughs> they always have beautiful women in there. It's nice to see that there are women with like a full figure, you know, instead of just the little... Ribs poking through fake boobs, fake this, fake that. It's like like Playboy, you know, it's just, everything's plastic these days over there. Yeah. You know? At yeah. least last time I saw it, but...
2: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, like, to be honest, you know, I, I've, I've seen some of the, I, I actually have every one of the issues uh, digitally, and there, every once in a while you get a girl who looks pretty, you know, she's had some work done or something like that, but... Um, that's sort of the greatness about it, is that you know you may not like every girl in every issue, but there's always going to be one that's going to catch your eye, and uh, you know they're great. You can actually now they have like um, like X versions because you know to be honest the the magazine is a gentleman's magazine, so it's not it's not like a penthouse. It's you know not like legs spread open and stuff. It's 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 the hint, the tease, the allure of the woman rather than the woman you know just spread eagle and and that's what i enjoy a lot about it but there are the the adult unedited vision versions of the of the photos and more that are not suitable for the magazine online and you can find those at oldnickmagazine.com as well all right so shall we just dive into the devil's advocate and then uh you know move on with the show
0: why bother? How you done? Great. Let's cut the bullshit and get real. Why this purity you feel about evil? For Christ's sake, why? They don't lie to me! I guess, Father. You gotta feel that old neck in your soul. And it becomes clear. Like it did for me, the first time. That's when I realized my one true calling in life. And what's that? Shit, man. (laughs) I'm a born devil's advocate. Welcome to the devil's advocate. I'm a Satanist. I'm a member of the Church of Satan. But I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all.
3: Close your door, shut your windows tight, and draw the shades, for tonight you are chosen to witness the darkest, most secret, truly the most evil experience of your life, a satanic ritual. This footage has been held as evidence in the most vile of crimes smuggled from the evidence room and brought to you unmolested, though I cannot say the same about all of its participants. Enjoy, if you can...
2: Mr. Satanus Luciferi Excelsi, in the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king of the world, I command. Is, is that is that redundant to anyone else? doesn't have to be about a king, I mean... I, I, I mean, to say that, that... To say king of the world, I, oh. r- immediately after ruler over the earth, I, I mean, is it necessary, really? I mean... Let's just say you have multiple titles. Would you just want to take the the grandest title and and just go with that? Along with it, man. I I don't know. It's just a little redundant. I I I digress. I'm just you know making observations, and you understand. I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal powers upon me. Open wide the gates of hell and. that that really does sound like an energy drainer yeah? to me. Oh come it's on! It's just on. a thing. You just I think you're it's being a, a bit personally. Of I, I'm a very eco-conscious individual. I, I mean, opening wide the gates of hell—that's just uh, opening. N- not only energy escaping, but but really infestation. Uh, you can get horrible little spiders. Just step in. on them. Just step on the spider. And, and these nasty roly-poly bugs crawling around on your floor. I mean, what if we just just slightly ajar, okay, bring the door to a slight ajar state? So, uh, if, you, if you will indulge me. Sure, sure, we have already. Momentarily here. Uh, slightly ajar the gates of hell oh. in, in the interest of a eco-friendly coexistence with the royal. Uh, come forth from the abyss to greet me as your brother and friend. Grant me the indulgences of which I speak I have taken thy name as part of myself. I live I mean
0: What am I even doing?
2: I mean not overtly, of course. I, I, I couldn't go to the local deli and, 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 and pronounce Hello, I, I am Francis Satan and, and I am here to, to get my my delicious pickle. That I like to get every Monday they after. Really good pickles. Certainly, that would be uh, presumptuous on my part. That, that other people might understand the complexities of, of titles and, 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 and manners such as these that, that I adhere. I thought we were supposed to have So, so maybe, per, perhaps I don't exactly say that I'm. Uh, well, I am you know, Satan in, in, incarnate or anything. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying that, that I am. But I, I, I've taken the name as part of myself privately. I live as the beasts in the field, rejoicing in the fleshly life.
3: Good. I, fi- I mean, okay, let's... Oh, I totally would have rather been doing dustier drama. L-
2: let's be honest. L- 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 you and me, I mean, all of us here together, I, I haven't yet yet enjoyed in the fleshly life I, it, it just it hasn't happened for me personally but but I know with with the right number of uh lust rituals under my belt that, it, 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 that it'll happen lust
0: ritual I really have to go now no it's gonna be okay to work
2: I dream of a day when I no longer have to have to use the seer's catalog to rejoice <laughs> to, to, to rejoice in the fleshly life. I the the, the day is coming in the, in, the, in the very near future, I can tell and and I just I wanted to make that a de- I don't want to lie to you when I, when I'm saying this. I, I just think I should be honest. I should be open. This mine is boring. I favor the just and coist the rotten. By all the gods in the pit, I command that these things of which I speak shall come to pass. I I mean, that that sounds really forceful. And and really, I don't need all the gods of the pit. I mean, you know, you give me one or two. One or two gods of the pit. Who am I? Right? I can... I'm, I'm good with that. Come forth and answer to your names by manifesting my desires. Oh, hear the names. Coyote... Mastema Mets Chili. No, it's it's Metch Chai Chi what what is it? tian Mictian. tian I mean let's be honest. I'm, I'm the the sound imposing no and then that's why I'm saying them. I I I, <laughs> I quite frankly don't know who Tian is. I've I've never had the had the privilege of meeting him. Or her face to face, but I—I I mean, let's just say, if I was ever invited to Ooh. dinner, I, I would go. I—I I mean, I'm that—that's the type of poison I am. Okay, I, I would go if invited, invitation outstanding. Where, where's the sword? Uh, Satan, from the south, O oh ruler of hell, join us. And from the east, Lucifer, from the the far. E- Certainly not the Middle East. I, I, I don't want to presume that you're from, and I, I'm not saying that I wouldn't I wouldn't want I, I, you to come if you were. I don't but remember but this. Let's just say there's a the lot of questionable rituals. individuals that, what, what, that are very, very merciless that come from the Middle East, and and I I don't necessarily no, I, I want don't them descending this. upon me and, I don't, I and, don't, I and my companions here in this, in this in this in this chamber. At the I think you you understand. I mean, I don't have to. I don't have to. Okay. So be, 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 Belial. b Belial Beli Bel Belial. What what Belial. is how Belial. Beli Belial. Belier? Belier. Uh, it's so, Belial. Can you say the Belial? You're too quiet. Belial. Belly all yeah. Belial from the north, join us. And from the west, Leviathan rise from your watery grave and join us.
0: Francis, would you and your friends like some cookies? I just need oh, oh, so your
3: favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Uh, uh, oh, ma- no, mom, are... really, mom, uh, mom, mom? Ma-
2: ma- no, 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 mom. I've told you. I've told totally you. Totally you do totally not bad. interrupt us when we're, we're ritualizing. We we are harnessing the dark forces
0: yeah, of nature.
3: Ma, I have, I have rather restrictive dietary uh, needs. Thank you. Uh, can you can you get me an ingredient list, please? Now that you know the truth, now that you have seen the face of Satan and heard his demons call out into the night, ask yourself, will you ever be the same again? <laughs> Listen up, listen up, KL hey, yeah, belly. Good news and no devil. Bad news else and no
2: heaven. There's nothing to say. I'm your fellow informant. Alright, so the first article that we have today is from the Telegraph, and it is White House release Barack Obama's beer recipes. Now, for obvious reasons, I am a home brewer. I, I, I love beer, so I wanted to talk about this. But also, maybe some not so obvious reasons. This was posted on 2 September today. Alright, so the White House has released a short video showing how President Obama's homemade Honey Brown Ale and Honey Porter are brewed on the premises. Bowing to growing pressure from thirsty and curious Americans, the White House released the recipes for President Barack Obama's homemade beers, revealing the executive branch's penchant for honey-flavored brews. According to a blog post entitled, Ale to the Chief,
0: <laughs> get it, that's funny.
1: Very clever. <laughs>
2: the key ingredient for the White House, honey brown ale and White House honey porter, though may be tough to come by. The honey is straight from the White House's first ever beehive. The Commander-in-Chief brought a home brewing kit last year and, according to media reports, has served the beer at St. Patrick's Day and Super Bowl celebrations. Mr. Obama is now part of a growing movement. 28,835 people currently belong to the American Home Brewers Association. Although George Washington brewed beer at his Mount Vernon home, there's no evidence that any beer or liquor has been brewed in the White House, White House Assistant Chief and Senior Policy Advisor for Health Food Initiatives Sam Cass said. The recipes were released as the president headed to campaign in Colorado, a swing state which is also a big beer state, that is embracing small independent beer producers. The birthplace of Coors Beer currently has the third highest number of craft breweries in the country, behind only California and Washington, according to the web magazine Cities. Last month, Mr. Obama told a man in Iowa that his campaign bus was stocked with White House beers and he even shared a sample. Curiosity came to a head in the last few weeks as recipe requests poured onto the White House's online petition site, known as We the People. The president's opponent in the November election, Mitt Romney, belongs to the Mormon faith, which shuns alcohol.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's he going to do when he's president? I'm like, I've got a great punch recipe, everybody.
2: <laughs> jello, it's it's this really great Jello mold with fruit chopped up inside. So- jell <laughs> Jello shooters without
1: the without the alcohol. Come on down.
2: Oh man. Um, okay, so, which shuns alcohol. But the Republican Party could still tap voter interest. Its vice presidential candidate, Paul Ryan, hails from Wisconsin, a major beer-making state. And he also has professed affection for micro-brews. Okay, so why do you think now? Do you think it's really because people have been just pouring in requests? Like, we have to know your recipes on election- on the eve of the election.
1: It sounds to me like it's a big ploy for people who are in the Democrats that thought Bill Clinton was a great guy. I did, and remember he played saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show, and he talked about how he inhaled or didn't inhale, and he had sex with someone who wasn't his wife. I mean, the guy is a party animal, and that's maybe that's how they're trying to paint Obama but in a slightly more, you know, responsible and still a married way, perhaps. That's kind of what I'm getting out of it because it. I don't really follow the news, and I really hate hearing about politics, especially involving Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll talk trash on Facebook, at, you know, at the drop of the hat about him. But <laughs> and it, it, me personally, I'm not like pro Obama, but I don't understand why you know everybody's just beating the shit out of the guy. It's like he's trying, you know. I'm not like you yeah, know no. necessarily I, I... all for him. I who's the best candidate? Not, obviously not. I don't think Mitt, but you know maybe Ron Paul. But I don't know anything about him or.
2: Well, Ron Paul is actually not going to be running. Um, for oh, he's not. No. See,
1: told you I didn't watch the news, but. <laughs> but yeah, but, it's... I mean, he, he
2: was trying to get nominated, and he, he, no. he just didn't come through. No, I, I mean, I don't know. He might be doing a, a third party thing, I, but he hasn't announced it that I know of as of yet. I, what's, and I, sounds... I, what's that? Oh, on? go ahead. I was going to say I agree with you on this. That it's to p- paint a portrait of what Obama. Uh, really is on a personal level. Now, here, here's what bothered me about this being released so recent. It seems obvious that it was just to appeal to the middle class working man, which, you know, in, in this election cycle, the economy and jobs and um, personal finance and personal responsibility are going to be the center to every one of the uh, campaigns being run by Romney and Ryan or Obama. And uh, um, fuck That's me.
1: Pretty clever. It's pretty clever because uh, they, instead of like playing hardball, like, well, no, I'm going to promise tax cuts and more jobs. It's like we know we can't quite do that yet. It's not really Obama's fault, but they're very cleverly saying, oh, but well, he makes his own beer. Everybody, check it out. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and,
2: well, and this, is, really this is one of those good. things yeah. that bothered me about the video is that when it showed it, it was his cooks making the beer. And really, the only thing that the only connection that Obama had to it was that the cook said he bought the kit. <laughs> so, like, I'm a home brewer, and I'm, I do it myself. Like, that's how you home brew. You don't... You might as well just say, well, he opened... Because this is really what he did, is he opened up a microbrewery in the house which is equally as cool to the, the common person who doesn't home brew, but if you're trying to appeal to home brewers by releasing the recipes that you use and, you know, claiming that he is a home brewer, then you should have him in the video making it. Like... Like, like that's the whole point and, and they make reference to to um uh George Washington who was a distiller and he, he um did uh uh beer as well uh home brewed his own beer I mean if you're going to make a connection with homebrewers and the presidency and then your video showing it doesn't even feature you at all there's a bit of a disconnect there I mean I still do appreciate the message I think it's great and I I, I think it's funny because it it adds this really interesting contrast to Obama and Romney that you never had before. And that maybe never would have ever been brought up. And that's focusing on the fact that Obama enjoys a beverage that the majority of the world enjoys. The majority of the world. And Romney does not because of his religion. Exactly. That's exactly
1: what they're doing, I think. It's just kind of subconsciously appealing to the your standard red-blooded Al Bundy type American, you know, who's worked all day at the construction site or the shoe store and come home and like a beer, you know, and want to <laughs> watch the game, as opposed to whatever Romneyites do, you know. And I, I you know, I well, won't go off on that.
2: <laughs> he baptizes Holocaust Jews. And that's what he... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody asked me that the other day. It's like, do they really baptize dead people? I'm like, yeah, they do. It's not a joke. They, they claim that they it's invented reality. Star Wars. They claim that they baptize dead people. It's like, they're crazy, you know? Yeah.
2: Oh, wrong. I, I, the Mormon religion is, is a total joke, and I didn't really want to get into it on this article, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the reasons that they put this out here is a little snide, like, oh, aha, well, we're, we're more like you because we enjoy things that you do and enjoy things that you like to enjoy as well.
1: And, that's
2: totally it that's <laughs> totally this ken doll over here doesn't
0: even believe in it
2: <laughs> which is ironic because if he if he's a christian and jesus you know turned water into wine as their fables go you would think that he would like that idea but no no the mormon religion is all sorts of backwards all right so that's going to do it for that article let's go ahead and move to the next one this is a little more serious a little more down to uh, the brass it or and this is From Menden, with news from the Midford Daily News, Murdoch, how Bain Capital enriches Obama's base. And this is posted September 2nd as well. As Democrats convene Monday in Charlotte, North Carolina, they likely will double down on their claim that Bain Capital is really the Bain crime family. They will accuse Republican nominee Mitt Romney and Bain's other greedy co-founders of stealing their winnings, evading taxes, and lighting cigars with $100 bills on their yachts. But Democrats will ignore this inconvenient truth. Bain's private equity executives have enriched dozens of organizations and millions of individuals in the Democratic base, including some who scream most loudly for President Barack Obama's re-election. Government worker pension funds are the chief beneficiaries of Bain economic stewardship. New York-based Prequin uses public documents, news accounts, and freedom of information requests to track private equity holdings. Since 2000... Prequin reports the following funds have entrusted some $1.56 billion to Bain. Illinois Municipal Retirement Fund Indiana Public Retirement System, Iowa Public Employees Retirement System, Los Angeles Fire and Police Pension Systems, Maryland State Retirement and Pension Systems, Public Employees Retirement Systems in Nevada, State Teachers Retirement Systems in Ohio, and the list goes on. These pension funds aggregate the savings of millions of unionized teachers, social workers, public health personnel, and first responders. Many of them would be startled to learn that their nest eggs or even their current pensions are incubated by the company that Romney- Launched and the financiers he hired. Leading universities have profited from Bain's expertise. According to infrastructure investor Bain Capital Ventures Fund, I managed wealth for endowments and foundations such as Columbia, Princeton, and Yale universities. The Wall Street's James Freeman noted July 18th that Harvard uh, has also invested with Bain. Thus, Michelle and Barack Obama's undergraduate campuses, Princeton and Columbia, respectively, and the university where they earn their law degrees, Harvard, all have enjoyed Bain Capital's financial prowess, according to Buyouts Magazine and S&P Capital IQ. Bain's other college clients have included Cornell, Emory, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, noted Notre Dame, and University of Pittsburgh. Frequent reports that the following schools have placed at least. $424.6 million with Bain Capital between ninety-eight and 2008. Purdue University, University of California, University of Michigan, University of Virginia, University of Washington. Major center-left foundations and cultural establishments also have been seeing their prospects brighten thanks to Bain Capital. According to the aforementioned sources, such Bain clients have included the Charles Stewart Mott Foundation, the Doris Duke Foundation, Metropolitan Museum of the Arts, and the Ford Foundation, the Heinz Endowments, and Oprah Winfrey Foundation. Why on earth would government union leaders, university presidents, and foundation chiefs let a company with Bain Capital's reputation oversee their precious assets? The scrutiny generated by a heated election year matters less than the performance the portfolio generates to the fund, California State Teachers Retirement System spokesman Ricardo Duran said on the August 12th Boston Globe. CalSTRS has pumped some $1.25 billion into Bain since 1988, Duran says. Private equity companies like Bain have outperformed every other asset class to which CalSTRS has allocated the cash of its 856,360 largely unionized members. So, what really is Bain's reputation? Is it a gang of corporate buccaneers who plundered their ill-gotten gains by outsourcing, euthanizing feeble portfolio companies, and giving cancer to the spouses of those whom they fired? If so, union bosses, government retirees, liberal foundations, and elite universities, including the Obamas, thrive on the wages of Bain's economic Darwinism. If, however... These institutions relish the yields that Bain Capital generates by supporting startups and rescuing distressed companies, 80% of which have prospered, then this money is honest and Team Obama isn't. That's the article. So what I like about this article is that it, it shows the the absurdity of a claim that a corporation can can have one face. <laughs> and uh and what, what's absurd about that is that that's exactly what every corporation tries to push. Now, it's, it's hard to say that there's, that there's real benefit to Bain Capital's liquefying of companies and thus, I mean, part of their portfolio is buying failing companies, uh, bringing them back to profitability, and then selling them off. Like, that's, that's how they increase <laughs> the value of their portfolios. So people lose their jobs. Uh, But you know what? Your portfolio is bigger. So if you're going to run in investments, you know that that this activity happens. Do you think, JR, that you have the privilege of talking shit against the firms that are holding
1: your money? Would you want to do it, though, is the question. (laughs) It just sounds like what they're doing is uh, buying used cars and refurbishing them and selling them as new to somebody who doesn't know any better.
2: Yeah, or, or buying them up and liquefying them to, um, you know, uh, halt uh, competition um, just to make their, uh, their individual portfolio look larger at any given fiscal time. I mean, the thing is, and this is sort of the way I see it, if, if you're investing at all, there, there are activities from the investment bank's that are not going to jive with your personal morals or or collective ethics at all but that's because finance it doesn't care when when the purpose is profitability there can be no room for morals or ethics now whether that's right or wrong is something that every individual has to sort of you know make a decision on with their pocketbook but when you're going to stand up on a platform and demonize a company that helped ensure your success, I think that's a little uh, a little shitty.
1: <laughs> Who, now, who's being accused of doing this at the moment? Is oh, well,
2: well, right now, actually, the entire Obama campaign is shining a big flashlight, a light on Bain Capital because what that did as a company echoes. Romney's business claims of success, and there there has been a lot of questionable activity that Bain has um, acted in, and this article is touching on that idea of of the absurdity of of the Obama campaign shining the light on the company that funds so many um, really just good programs that that benefit, you know, real hardworking Americans. Um, it's funny though, because of course they don't mention anything that's negative about Bane. Why would they? It's supposed to point the, you know, it's supposed to turn you around and make you face the other direction. But, um, and I think it does that to some extent, unless you're going to actually look at what it's saying. And that's because you invest in, um, groups that provide benefit to, uh, to people, because you send a lot of money, uh, to unions and, um, teachers unions and, and public worker unions. It does not mean that you should not be held accountable for the shitty things that you do. Like one does not cover the other. It's not like we have this, uh, you know, two sets of, 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 I don't know, candy corns sitting on the table, one the good pile and one the bad pile. And and if you have the equal, the same amount, then you're an okay company. That, it doesn't really work like that.
1: I mean, it was like um, being a Satanist, like gives you a perspective of the third side. and And something like this, you can see that, well, if it were me, I would invest in something that was going to make me a lot of money if I didn't necessarily like it. I mean, I'm not talking about like wholesale arms trading and oppression of like a certain race or anything. I'm talking about like, say, Walmart. I despise Walmart, but if I could make money off of them, I'd invest in them, even though I hate that store. But we're not talking about that, of course. I'm guessing, but um, that's kind of my point. But at the same time, I could easily sit there and say, "Oh, Walmart's just a bunch of white trash. I hate that store. Nothing junk in there." And you know what I mean? Maybe it's kind of the same caliber, but on a political scale. But. And And they're also banking on Americans being naive, too, it sounds like. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's standard political propaganda. You know, whichever side is talking, they're going to try to turn you around and make you face the direction that they're looking in. And so this article is just doing that. But I I do like what you just said there, because it's a question that I'm not entirely sure people ask themselves, but I think they
1: should. Well, it looks like a good and evil thing, I think. It's like, I don't necessarily, I never even before Satanism thought of myself as uh, overly evil or overly good. It was just depending on, I mean, I've helped an old lady cross the street. I've picked up a guy's $100 bill and said, hey, you dropped this. But another time, you know, I kept the $50 bill or something, you know, it's just, or did something else that was bad, like have an affair with somebody's wife, which has happened, you know, it's things like this. It's just. <laughs> Are you evil because of it, or are you a good guy because of it? There's no real squeaky clean race of presidential candidates, and there's no like overtly like salivating beast of the pit that are trying to oppress us completely. It's all about money. They don't care about and, us, and, and that's how, how I see it.
2: How far removed do you need to be for you still to feel like you're a good person? You, you know, I mean, I mean, as as a Satanist. We're concerned with how we feel about ourselves. We don't give a damn about what anyone else may think. So as long as you are happy with where you are, does it matter if you're making money from someone who, you know, let's just even take the example of, of arms trading, if, if it's six banks removed, but the money can still be tracked, which is pretty much everything in this world right now, um, even if you're three steps removed, uh, does it matter like, like, how far does your personal accountability go with the way that you're making money uh, in life? It's funny
1: that this came up, because later on we're going to talk about music and how I've been dealing in music with, especially in a Muslim country as of late. But uh, as a kid, like in 18, in my early 20s, I was violently into death metal and black metal and hardcore punk. And just, I love that stuff. But one of the things that hardcore punk would teach you is... This company's corrupt, that company's corrupt, and they'd actually just draw pictures of it. And That's why punk was so great, because they just spell it out. Like Whereas metal tends to blur it and just kind of sing about stuff, and they'd sell records with their angry music. Mm-hmm. But I learned that like, a record label based in England called EMI had certain arms holdings and tradings going on in third world countries, which kept people poor and dying and slaughtered and stuff like that. I don't know exactly how. Mm-hmm. but that you knew there was some connection because that's what the record alluded to and the lyrics and a little blurb on the back. So, of course, as a responsible, metalhead, angry punk kid, I never bought anything on EMI. But later on, Iron Maiden was on EMI Records. So I was like, eh, you know, I'm going to buy Iron Maiden's new album, though. You know, hopefully that won't kill anybody. I don't think it will, but you know what I mean? So where would you to go. Like, I felt responsible and I felt like I was doing good by not buying EMI when I had my radio show. 10 years here in salt lake playing death metal and punk and all that i would tell people and i'd get on and have these little blurbs on the air like it was almost uh, like a howard stern death metal show sometimes
0: <laughs> nice.
1: i would tell people don't buy this these cds and don't do this and i would get into it but then after a while it was like eh, you know whatever or the norwegian <laughs> church burnings you had people who started taking on arianism to shock people and sell records because satanism became known as what it really is nothing all that horrible and violent mm-hmm. and the same thing like those bands i would totally not promote them because they preached racism and all that and at the same time after a while you're like ah the hell with it you know who cares it's just the band you know and it's not pivotal but i'm kind of thinking it's the same kind of the same wavelength you know they're oh, like absolutely. there's a greater evil to it deep down somewhere and it can't be tracked but they're like all these other bands like say Norwegian bands who have no clue, you know, that are on this label, or Iron Maiden has no clue that EMI might have arms holdings, but they do what they do and sell records. I'm sure they're not.
2: Yeah, because you know? I mean, essentially, what we're doing is, if if we if we restrict our behaviors because of someone else's personal choices or or professional choices, you know. We're we're committing a, a sin here. We're taking responsibility for someone else's actions. There's nothing satanic about that. I mean, you are you are so X amount of people in between you and the atrocity, and regardless of how many people that is, you are still not associated with. You are still not uh, responsible for someone else's cho- choices or decisions in their life. So if if uh, a CEO decides to filter money into uh, an arms dealer. Well, that's their decision. That wasn't a decision you made. And just because whether you have your twelve dollars or thirty-six dollars or or eight hundred and seventy-three dollars going into that corporation, doesn't mean that they're going to be any less inclined or any more inclined to continue the behaviors that they started to do anyway.
1: So. Oh, that's- Point. like, you know, by boycotting certain bands and not buying their C D, just me, I'm like, Well, who cares? That's a drop in the bucket if even that. So I'm just gonna buy the new Iron Maiden album, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope nobody gets hurt, you know, it's my intent, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's that's how yeah, but, I would, but once you're up there on the, on the top of the rung with like all this money, it's probably a different deal, but obviously,
2: yeah. No. And, and I really doubt that it, it ever comes down to a situation where they're like, well, we can either kill third world children,
1: <laughs> true. And I, I don't see anybody doing as much soul searching about it either, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, who, yeah, who are so, involved, it's money, like, so. oh, we're
2: gonna make this profit, I don't want to know how, let's do it,
1: <laughs> could be could Be either that or they really don't care, you know. I think there's a little a case of both, really. There's no that's why I was saying earlier, there's no real, actual clear cut evil guys and squeaky clean good guys. You know, I mean, Obama drinks beer, he's going to hell, and Mitt Romney drinks <laughs> to heaven. So, there you have it. But... Brilliantly summed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty cut and dry guy, you know, from black and white, except for my own little gray shades of satanism Yeah, yeah that's nice. alright well let's go ahead uh, end the infernal
2: form and jump right into the creature feature oh god no
0: just me <laughs> did you know that after the heart stops beating the brain can function for well over seven minutes we got six more minutes to play Why are you screaming when I haven't even cut you yet? Welcome to Creature Feature.
2: Alright, so today in the Creature Feature we're going to be talking about Lavatory and we're going to be talking about Solar House Records and JR, it's been great having you on the show. Can you tell me a little bit about this band?
1: Well, uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, I used to, well I still am, just be so immersed in the world of death metal grindcore black metal all of it anything extreme i was into it and this is before i even lived in utah so obviously it's not something people pick up on just to be different which a lot of people here do but um back in the late 80s uh the thrash scene kind of died out and another scene called grindcore came up which is essentially hardcore music but with Distorted guitars that were so heavy that it made a grinding sound; hence the term "grindcore." And one of the forefronts, the uh, bands at the forefront, was Napalm Death. Mm-hmm. They were on a, a label called Earache Records, who just snatched up all these bands that were just cutting-edge bands, and there was like a unique sound each one had. And I'll never forget walking into a local punk record store and hearing that compilation record someday. It changed my life. There was so much just heavy stuff; it just spoke to me. And um, since then like the death metal scene burgeoned because of that recording and it kind of played itself out because when you're so heavy and so brutal you can't go very far and then the black metal scene came up and then the same thing happened so after a while the music scene was kind of sterile and dead and then downloading seemed to kill it off even further but i happened to be talking to a friend of mine from new york who lives in malaysia where this band Laboratory is from, and one of the guys from that band got into the conversation, and then he posted a video on my page of his band, and I was blown away because after years of being jaded and thinking i have heard it all, these guys came with this fresh, new vigor and aggression, and it was just great, reminding me of those old times in the late '80s of Earache Records and all these trend-setting bands that didn't sound like anybody else. And it's kind of hard to be unique in that genre at all, especially now. But they pulled off like a rawness and an energy and they have this sort of and i want to be careful here but like not naivety but uh like a youthful like innocence and energy about them that really shows in their music and their attitude you know there's no preachiness because it's become that way with music It's either like got to be overproduced and you can't hear the drums like a million beats a minute like what's the point like that's not what metal is about it's about aggression and fury you know and just it's not about like intricate solos and all that stuff, and it's not about politics, because black metal brought in a lot of uh, national socialistic views, like I'd mentioned earlier, like racism or just, you know, people going back to paganism or vikings or pro Norway or anti-Jerusalem or whatever. And uh, these guys just came out and made a death metal album, and it just blew me away. I put it out on my label, which I've had for almost, um, since the early 90s anyway, and it's kind of suddenly exploded because I had no idea that uh, Malaysia was a Muslim country. So that in itself is a big deal. <laughs> you're just... funding terrorism. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm with Mitt Romney and Obama. <laughs> I'm that third side perspective they don't want you to know about. Well, that's cool. So your own label, is, is that Slaughterhouse Records? Slaughterhouse Records, indeed. Um, taking a cue from the men- aforementioned Earache Records, I found a few bands I liked and I wanted to put their CDs out and I did that throughout the early 90s when I had my radio show, which was the Sonic Slaughterhouse, which is where the names all come from. And uh, I found a pretty heavy couple of bands at that time in the early 90s and that's kind of a big deal for Utah. You know, we're our own little pocket Muslim universe, quote unquote, (laughs) here because of the Mormons and it's just so crazy. And I would write to people in other countries, like uh, Israel. I had a pen pal in Israel, and he was just, you know, I sent them a band called Disorder that I released on my label. And they were really heavy, just really grindy, noisy, gore metal. And they had pictures of like autopsies and stuff on their CD. Oh (laughs) And I had to go to Canada to get that printed, by the way. And this is back in like 95 or 97 or something like that. And this guy from Israel is like, How do you guys have that kind of music in Utah? Don't the Mormons oppress you all the time? How do you get away with it? Do you have to be really secretive about shows? I'm like, it's not quite that bad. It's close, but it's not quite that horrible here, you know? It's but people have this perception that we're so downtrodden and oppressed here. And in some ways people are, but without really realizing it, but it's not like music. I mean and that's why that music exists here in Salt Lake. There are so many good bands, and I tell these bands it's like You've got to push yourselves and say, we're from Salt Lake, and we're this crazy band with autopsy pictures on our album covers, and we're we're pissed, and we're heavy. Listen to us. you know. (laughs) Just because you're from Salt Lake will give you that much more notoriety and make you sell albums, and it works. But these guys, and I, again, was totally ignorant to the fact that Malaysia was Muslim. I had no clue. I just thought, well, Malaysia, whatever, some third-world country, but they're a good band. So then I found out the hard way that I had to get their CDs to them once I released it. And that was a bitch because I've heard horror stories about customs, like opening packages. And if they didn't like what they saw, they would destroy it or confiscate it. Or they would just mar it to a point where you couldn't use it and then send it to the guys. Like I've heard stories of scratched up CDs, reaching people, not from me, but from friends of mine who do tape trading in those areas. And, uh, I have, was kind of shocked that it still went on, you know, because back in the 90s, we made contact, me and some friends, myself and some friends with uh, other bands from Israel, China, Cuba, all these places that were like enemies of the U.S. And we didn't care. We were into it because we liked the music. And I thought, why can't everybody else just get along the way we do? You know, we're just like, yeah, I like your band. Cool, man. (laughs) But we got into some trouble. The government started calling the radio station I worked at because they saw all these calls going to these enemy countries. And it was innocent. But uh, it was interesting to us because at that time, it was like Iran. You know, We had a friend over there. And it was like, at that time, if you were, had anything to do with anything other than the national anthem, you're you were in trouble, like literally. <laughs> and here we are talking to this guy who has a secret death metal band over there. You know, I don't know how bad it is in Malaysia like that because the guys wear, you know, you know, T-shirts and they have long hair and it's frowned upon and they don't necessarily like it. But as long as it's not anti-Muslim, yeah. it's okay. You can be anti-Christian all you want. Well, they don't care. <laughs> but anti-Muslim, uh-uh, uh-uh.
2: So do you think, do you think that, that, that it's factual that in a more oppressed in area that the counterculture groups um, and and the results of those counterculture groups, like the metal scene, that that it's more aggressive because of the areas that they're in? Or do you think it's just dormant in the individual's talent and, and the appreciation for that
1: genre? Oh, most definitely the former. Um, and like I said, Salt Lake City. You're not quite as oppressed as a Muslim area would be, obviously, like by violence, but very true and since I've moved here, yeah back in the eighties mm-hmm. it's always been that way it's been that way outside of music it's been that way with drugs, with body art and modification i mean it's it's a norm now, but back then yeah. it was like unheard of, and there was so much of it and People having sex, experimenting with sex, and they're very young and they screw up and they end up having a kid at 15, you know, because they're, they're not taught about it in the school. It's, you know, and the same thing with music. It's like, I think people are so angry here and so oppressed by being brought up in such a, and I know this for a fact because I've got plenty of kids who tell me about it all the time, either mm-hmm. from back in my radio show days, and, you know, they'll say, You got me through it because of your atheist, you know, or Satan <laughs> ramblings on the air or just the music it speaks to them certain bands, certain messages and even today, like kids that I know have adopted adopted atheism at least and they're leaning towards Satanism because of the things I've said or bands I've introduced them to who you know pretty much pare it down to there is no God, there's no Satan this is how it is you know and a lot of these kids really identify with it myself, I never cared about lyrics at all I just like the music. You know, I could care less what a guy in a band has to say because I knew who I was. But, <clears throat> yeah. but yeah, totally. Um, it's. I think it's all the more reason why they're as aggressive and as brutal as they are and that's probably what I picked up on with Laboratory because it was so raw and so fresh and so full of energy. It wasn't just like the same old bands from the same old place going through the same old motions. These guys, and that's maybe what I meant is they have like a youthful, like a zestful kind of innocence about them. You know what I mean? It's yeah not like they're pissed off and saying, we're going to kill these people, but it's death. <laughs> it's like a horror, you know, like totally no, harmless, like horror stuff, but because once Ooh. you get political, I mean, you can probably get in trouble over there or religious, you know, I'm sure they've got to watch their asses over there, but
2: yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we, we have to remember that, you know, Islam as, as a structure, there's like 1.5 to 1.9 billion members around the world. It's the second largest uh, religious group, uh, and it's 21% of the world. I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge fraction of, uh, our world culture that, that all sort of at least claims to adhere to the same ideology. So, yeah, that, that's a pretty big group to be, uh, you know, a po- to be in opposition, it's silent opposition to, you know, <laughs> it seems like there would be a, a, a pretty, uh, pretty constant stream of fear, if you say the wrong thing, then you will be taken. Because you know, like we're we're in Utah. If we speak out against Mormons, and we do all the time, it's not that big of a deal. We're not going to be capped or, or blown up.
1: <laughs> if you can I mean you know, say that, because I do um, have a story. But go ahead. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> Generally, I, I mean, you're, if you're in one of these third world countries that's an Islamic uh, dominant country, you will be killed. Like, there's no. There's no freedom of speech, it is our way or death. <laughs> Praise Allah.
1: <laughs> and the funniest thing, too, with this laboratory band is you know, they were friends on Facebook and they found a picture of us from our ritual. And then the, one of the guys says, Oh, you look like Anton Levay. Like, nice. Now I got people from Malaysia saying this, and I didn't know they even knew who he was over there. You know, it just goes oh, to show how funny. naive we can be over here. We get so jaded in our own lives that. I didn't think they knew who he was, but here we are. I have this death metal kid from Malaysia saying I look like Anton Levey now. And they know who he is apparently, and so now they always call me the Devil Worshipper Man or all that. But I don't. I don't really get into it with them. But it's, it is I just great. Thought that it was kind of funny
2: across the world, the legacy that Anton Levey left behind is known, and whether it's understood or not is an entirely different question, and maybe not even as important as whether or not he's known. Like, he's living forever in the very way that he said is the only way to live forever, you know? And and uh, it, it's amazing that as far-reaching as Malaysia, uh, that, that's great.
1: I found that to be pretty interesting <clears> as well. was just uh, the fact that it's there. I mean, eventually maybe some people will pick up on it. That uh, Just like with this recent thing with the satanic scriptures going Spanish.
2: yeah, yeah That'd be, be interesting. Honest. Okay, so uh, where can people go to hear or pick up a copy of the Lavatory CD?
1: Well, you can get the CD itself. Uh, I have a new website, which I never had before. It's slaughterhouse.bigcartel.com Pretty small, but effective website. It has my previous three releases as well as the lavatory and a few others from my, i met a guy who uh, moved here from missouri it's got a few releases so we kind of like join forces and those are on there on that website you can hear it on facebook and reverb nation youtube there's plenty of videos all over the place um I've, i'm actually working on a slaughterhouse records youtube channel but uh, at the, in the meantime it's all over my page obviously i just put the thing out and it wasn't uh but it was expensive to put out but yeah it was worth it i mean but yeah definitely i'm trying to sell them now to make back what i invested obviously but
0: yeah absolutely the
1: bigger news is they got picked up already within two weeks of the cd coming out that i just released and this is again another thing about them being in a third world country is they stressed to me the importance of putting made in the usa on the cd That's why is that you know and they're like oh just people need to know american label like cared about us and i was like really so i did it and i thought okay whatever and sure enough within two weeks another label picked them up because <laughs> it's them in a third world country apparently it's so important to have an american label care about this band and that apparently we have the final hearsay over here in america and in europe on this type of music i guess or something because oh. we're a third world country i guess but because of that it exploded in two weeks they already got signed to a bigger label for a multi album contract and they have rapidly become like quote unquote household word in terms of death metal of course but they've really taken off and i was surprised you know i'm starting to sell cds to total strangers instead of just my friends or some people with bands i know or other labels where we'll trade and stuff which is usually the norm but now i'm getting orders from people all over the world for this cd and they've it's like a whole new untapped area. It's it was really cool. I was surprised. I was not ready for that either. <laughs> That's great. Yet again, because of them being from a Muslim country and just all this interest, because a label from the U.S. showed interest, they it gave their career a boost. You know, it's, it was really cool. It was a good shot in the arm for them and for me. That's awesome. That was really cool.
2: Uh, okay, so everyone, get out there. At Slaughterhouse.BigCartel.com. I'll put the link on 9centspodcast.com and in the show notes uh, to the podcast and wherever else it can be seen online uh, thank you so much for joining me J.R. it's always fun to talk to you yeah well thanks for having me on Adam yeah, anytime, man, anytime. And everyone, that is going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet Facebook, Google+, Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or down the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also now on LastFM. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit radiofreesatan.com, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by JR. Thank you very much. And until next week, hail Satan. Hail
0: Satan.